Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. If you're coming out of a place of, of negativity and mental abuse, even physical abuse, and you allow those thoughts to keep penetrating, at some point, you've got to literally tell yourself, I don't want to live this way. I don't want to listen to these voices anymore. I've had situations in my life like that where I've, I've stood in front of the mirror and I've talked to myself. I said, you're not going to go here. You're not going to stay here. You need to stop this right now. And you need to stop talking to yourself like this because the only way you're going to heal is when you realize these negative thoughts don't, they don't have room here. They, they can't stay. And once you start telling yourself that you will begin to heal, even if it's a slow thing. Thank you for stopping by my podcast, Finding God in Our Pain. Welcome. Hi, I'm your host, Sherry Pilkington. In this podcast, you'll hear firsthand stories of how the God of the Holy Bible meets real people in their real pain. We look at the good God we profess through the lens of pain and suffering. I'm processing the most painful season of my life after unexpectedly losing Larry, my husband of 32 years. In my journey, I've discovered that there are many types of deaths. Maybe you've asked God, how could you let this happen? Why me? Where are you, God? Do you even care? What am I supposed to do with my life now? Here at Finding God in Our Pain, we don't shy away from the tough questions. I ask them to my guests. I share what I've experienced. We give real examples of how God shows up in the darkest, most painful situations in life. May the stories that you hear and the advice you receive encourage you to engage the heart of God about your painful places or memories or experiences or even your unmet expectations. Lean in close to God's heart because he speaks beautiful things in the dark. Childhood abuse can deeply and does deeply impact our adult life on many levels for many years, but there is hope. My guest, Virginia Jones, and I talk about recovering from childhood abuse. We discuss how to heal, the importance of boundaries, and what does it mean to honor your mother and father despite the cruelty they showed you. Our focus today is not about the details of the abuse that we endured. But we use our types of abuse as a point of reference, but our conversation today is how to heal from childhood abuse. There's often a distance between the fallout in your adult life because of your childhood abuse and actually discovering full, healthy healing. And so Virginia and I dig around and what does it look like to heal? What are some of the ways that we can take action or the things we put in place that is going to move us toward healing? And as an example, in the opening clip, and you'll also hear about it uh, in the audio itself, in the body of this conversation, Virginia is talking about how to take control of our thought life and internal dialogue that we re- let run rampant uh, when it comes to beating ourselves up or dwelling on the pain of what happened. And she's not saying ignore it, but she is saying to take responsibility for our healing. And we do make that distinction too, as well in our conversation. You're not taking responsibility for what happened to you. That's not your fault, but you can take responsibility for your healing. And part of that is dismantling the belief system that we've created that's associated with our abuse. A lot of times when I'm doing the editing for an audio, my position of being outside the conversation will give me a deeper bit of clarity. And that happened with something that Virginia said. We were talking about boundaries and the importance of setting them with regard to what it looked like to honor our parents, yet make wise decisions that would keep each of us and our family safe. One part of that conversation revolved around how other people, specifically our Christian brothers and sisters, may define what it means to honor our parents. With that in mind, we could get criticized about our decisions or receive unsolicited advice, well-meaning as it may be, But Virginia made the point that we set boundaries based on the full story of what has happened, 
not what others think we should do because they only have part of the story. So their input is really based on what they think they know about our situation, or they think they know what it means to honor our parents. And that reminded me that God has set boundaries for all of creation. And if we think about the the boundaries in nature, let's take water. If water passes boundaries set by God, it can destroy everything in its path. When we step outside of his standard for doing relationship, the damage can be seen and felt for years. When we live contrary to his instruction, we experience guilt and shame. And his boundaries are in place to keep us from experiencing these painful consequences because they bring guilt and shame. And guilt and shame bring separation from Christ. And that's what God is trying to help us avoid. When I was raising my sons, I set boundaries in my home for two reasons, morality and safety. Whenever my sons chose to step outside those boundaries, they tied my hands, mainly because they were at risk, but also because it grieved my heart to see them suffer the consequences. So in short, boundaries have a purpose, and it's to protect us in situations where wisdom dictates that we need to be protected. The good news of Jesus Christ is that no matter what this life throws at you, no matter what people have done to you or try to label you with, you keep the eyes of your heart on Christ. He's writing a much bigger love story with you, an overarching love story with you as the individual he created you to be. It's in that drawing close to Jesus that we find his peace, break free from our lies, leave guilt and shame behind, and walk in the freedom that Christ has made available to us in the here and now. Let's listen in. Welcome to my sweet guest, Virginia Jones, who's a podcast host herself of the Vintage Cafe. Tell us a little bit about your podcast, Virginia. All right. Well, thank you, Sherry, for having me on your show today. And the Vintage Cafe podcast uh, is aired every Wednesday and Friday. Um, I like to have guests on who have amazing stories, who have overcome different traumas in their life or different obstacles. And then I have episodes about our homestead, about having a home church and different things in history. I am a Jane Austen fan, so I like to have different stuff about that. And right now, though, it's pretty much featuring guests who are willing to share amazing stories who have overcome different things. And if you want to learn more about my podcast, and I do blog posts, I'm kind of behind on that one, but I do blog posts as well. But you can go to the vintagecafepodcast.com. I was combing through your list of episodes and I found one about living with a spouse who has mental illness. That mm -hmm. kind of filters into our conversation today, but I don't think that's a conversation the church is having. And so I'm very interested to hear that podcast. What does it mean to have Christian faith, to honor marriage, but to live with someone who has a mental illness? That's going to mm -hmm. be an episode that I look up for sure. And I wanted to start off with your podcast because it's a small glimpse of the full mm -hmm. life that you're living. And the reason I want to do that is because our topic today is about surviving childhood abuse. And for you, it sounds like it was a lot more verbal than physical, and therefore it's mental and emotional abuse. And you correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, it was definitely more uh, emotional and mental. Um, there was a situation where I was and not trying to be, you know, explicit or anything, but, um, you know, I was stripped. I was beaten with a belt and I don't even know what triggered that. Um, and I do want to say physical abuse, it does make an impact on a person, but you, you can heal from the wounds of a physical abuse. It's mental that even, at the age of 52, I still struggle with it. I don't think it's something you're ever going to be healed from. And in saying that, I don't want to bring a negativity to it because there is hope. I mean, you mentioned that I have a full life and I absolutely do. And I give glory to God for that. Um, I homeschool two daughters. I have a podcast. Um, my husband and I are building a homestead. We're going to be getting goats and chickens and <laughs> hopefully nice. a llama, maybe a peacock. You can be in recovery from mental abuse. It's a lifetime recovery, though. 
physical abuse, you know, you can heal from those wounds, but mental is, it's harder to get through. It's, it's definitely harder to heal from that. I would agree. One of the points that I wanted to make today is exactly what you're saying, that the difference between physical and emotional abuse is that one results in external damage and Mm -hmm. the other results in internal damage. And for me personally, the internal damage took Mm-hmm. And in some cases is taking a whole lot longer to rewrite mm-hmm. than the right. physical damage. Cause I can remember the violence in my family. There was a lot of physical abuse. I think I had every abuse except uh, sexual abuse. And so the physical, I remember the violence of that, but it's the mental abuse that mm-hmm. I still get triggered from. I still see results from. Um, and I think you and I discussed this uh, prior to the actual podcast episode mm-hmm. is that God heals in layers. And so I think that's, something that I've experienced. How about you? Absolutely. For example, something might trigger a memory and you're, you have that situation and then you're like, wow, you know, I thought I was over that. So it's like, God is revealing to me as, as I go along, he reveals to me, oh, you know, this is something you need healing for, you know, this is something you, you need to forgive that person for what have you. And Um, Yeah, it's definitely layers. And you can't, at least this is my own perspective, you can't just jump in and expect to be healed overnight. It just doesn't work that way. When you're told every day that, you know, you're never going to amount to anything, that you're never going to be loved, you know, you're not ever worth loving, you know, being called names, constantly being put down all the time. It... It really cripples you. But at some point in your adult life, though, you have to come to the place where you tell yourself or you counsel with yourself or whatever, you know, that am I going to stay in this trench or am I going to get out of it? Because you can stay there and you can continue to struggle with the things that are in your past, or you can decide, you know what? I want a fuller life. I want a better life. I can't stay here. And for me, you know, I had several people that helped me. I mean, my husband was one of them. Um, I had a couple of friends. There were, you know, there was one couple in the church that kind of took me under their wing. But it was me that finally decided, you know what? I don't want to live like this. I don't want to stay here. I want to move forward. And so at some point in your life, you have to decide. And then, I think once you decide that, that's when you really start on the healing process because you you can stay in that trench and then you're never going to get anywhere by staying there. I know. And it's interesting because as a kid, you don't know what you don't know. And so you're Mm -hmm. growing up and you don't even realize you have left the house with survival skills over relationship Mm -hmm. skills until you start running headlong into Mm -hmm. problems and issues with yourself. And you don't necessarily see them as you're the problem, it's people that you can't get along with or whatever the issue is for you. And backing up just a little bit, speaking about those layers, God even would take me through, like I would tell the Lord, we've already been here. Why are we back Mm -hmm. here? And of course, and I've shared this before, the Lord spoken to my spirit. I don't take you back to hurt you. I take you back to heal you. Mm -hmm. And so as he began to pull layers away and he's so gentle, he's so kind Mm -hmm. about it, it would be abandonment. And that's why I would think, okay, abandonment, I would get healing from that. And then I would come back and I'm like, Lord, and then it would be rejection. So then there's another layer of something else that you have to heal from is we get to a certain age and we, we start running into problems. Mm -hmm. What is the best way for us to understand that we have trauma that we need to address? Is it a matter of being self-aware or looking at our own destructive behaviors and attitudes? How do we say, wait a minute, hold on. Maybe it's not them. Maybe it's me. (laughs) Say you do have a problem, you know, with something and realizing that, you know, some things maybe are you But a lot of things that I've had in in my life weren't my fault. You know, it. I mean, you you do come to a point in your adult life where you do have to take responsibility and you have to decide. Okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna live like this or I'm not gonna think this way anymore. But some of the things I've dealt with weren't my fault, and I've had to come to that place where I say, you know what, this wasn't my fault. For example, my parents divorced when I was around 10 or 11 years old. And for years, I thought it was me. I thought the rejection, like you said, and the abandonment, I mean, my father left me. 
he left me in the hands of a woman who was abusive, who was mentally abusive, and she physically abused me. He witnessed that abuse. And then he turned around and left. And so I did blame myself, but I had to come to the place in my life where I say, you know what, that's not my fault. And so there are some problems that you may face that are the result of other people's decisions, other people's choices. You do have to have discernment, I think is the word to use in that. But talking about rejection, it actually just triggered something that happened to me recently. I just turned 52 in January. And even at 52 years of age, I mean, my father lives in Idaho. We don't have much communication. And I have recently had to um, unfriend him on Facebook because of certain things that he believes. So my birthday came around and I never got a call, never got a card, never got anything from my father. And that really hurt. And even at 52, I'm thinking I'm 52 years old. I shouldn't be dealing with this. Shouldn't even feel this way, but I did. And it's, it's that part of you that's still in a childlike manner wants the approval of your parents. You know, you want your parents to be proud of you. You want your parents to be approving of you. And when I never got a call, never got a card, never got anything, you know, and I'm thinking, but that's his choice. That Mm -hmm. is his choice. It's not my problem Mm -hmm. because as I've been healing, I know who I am. I know what I want out of life and I don't want that. I don't want that negativity in my life. And, you know, talking about negativity, if you're in a position right now where you're coming out of a situation of mental abuse and you're, and it's hard, I'm not going to say it's easy because it is really hard to do this. If you're coming out of a place of, of negativity and mental abuse, even physical abuse, and you allow those thoughts to keep penetrating At some point, you've got to literally tell yourself, I don't want to live this way. I don't want to listen to these voices anymore. I've had situations in my life like that where I've I've stood in front of the mirror and I've talked to myself. I said, you're not going to go here. You're not going to stay here. You need to stop this right now. And you need to stop talking to yourself like this because the only way you're going to heal is when you realize these negative thoughts don't, they don't have room here. They, they can't stay. And once you start telling yourself that you will begin to heal, even if it's a slow thing. The other thing about healing is, you know, there have been times when I have been disappointed that it wasn't some great, you know, astounding thing. And it was just a baby step, but sometimes depending upon your situation, baby steps are okay to, to make in a healing process. It's okay if you don't heal as deeply as you want to in, in a year, or it may take you two years or three years. It may take you 10 years. I mean, and like I said already, I mean, healing is a lifelong process. It's not something that overnight you're just gonna be healed of it. And I want to say as a Christian, I kind of had that mentality when I first came to the Lord. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm now a believer and I'm following Christ. And my mom, she had given her life to the Lord. And I thought, okay, it's going to stop. All this is going to stop. And it's just going to be over. Unfortunately, it wasn't just because we're Christians doesn't mean that we're not still human. (laughs) I hope that makes sense. Um, It does. You know, as a Christian, you still have to choose to die to the flesh every day. And in saying that, and I really prayed about this episode because I'm like, Lord, I don't want to make my mom appear that she was an evil person because she wasn't. She wasn't an evil person, but she chose to do things that weren't Christ-like. And that was her choice, though. I, as an adult, have choices to make. And I choose to be Christ-like in my parenting, in my marriage, in treating other people in a godly fashion. And I want to give an example of that. I was trying to think today about all this. 
I think I was married at the time. And there was a couple in our fellowship who did foster care. And he was the assistant pastor of the church. And they had a little girl that was in their care. And she was extremely angry. I mean, she had been passed from home to home to home. I and mean, it was just, it was really sad. And she was very angry. She was at times uncontrollable. And so they were trying to find a family for her that would be able to help her. Well, my mother came up to him one Sunday morning and she ripped him a new one right in front of everybody. And she was just getting on to him because they weren't going to adopt her and they were just going to pass her on to another family. And she did not know the situation. She did not know what was going on. And so after she walked away, I apologized profusely to him. I I told him, I'm so sorry. And you know, thinking about that now, though, I shouldn't have been the one to have to apologize. It should have been her, but, you know, um, but as her daughter, you know, and so that, that has affected me in many ways because I struggle with, because I am her daughter, that people see me that way. And I, so I guess I'm, I'm always trying to prove that I'm not like that. You know, I'm, I try to go the extra mile for people and, you know, I try to do as much as possible in a Christ-like manner because I don't, and I'm not saying I haven't made mistakes and I haven't gotten angry at somebody because I have, we're human, but just because you come to the Lord, you have to make that choice every day to, to crucify the flesh and to choose mm -hmm. to not go into that the past and and to go forward as christians though to your point we know that we can love the person but mm -hmm. we don't validate or reward hurtful behavior right, i would have known right. that as a child but of course mm -hmm. you get older and you understand that so there are consequences to our choices that is just the mm -hmm. realistic way life right. goes and so mm -hmm. what are some of the boundaries that you had to put in place to keep yourself healthy and when i say healthy even to the point where you know god's created you to be however you would describe yourself and i would say things adjectives like generous or kind or trustworthy how do you protect that well, I, I've given one example um, of unfriending my father on Facebook. Um, I no longer have him on there. I don't want to see that on my profile. I don't want to see that negativity. Um, I do call him, but I don't get into certain topics because I know that we don't agree. And so I'm not going to allow that. I'm not friends with people who are really quick to get angry or who are just constantly spewing out negativity. I, I don't want to be around those kind of people. Um, when my mother was alive, she has since passed on. But when my mother was alive, you know, she would spend the night over a few nights and I would limit the time that she had. When my daughter, uh, my oldest daughter, when she was two years old, um, I allowed her, my mother to babysit her. And she started asking my two-year-old daughter about what we talked about at home. And that was the last time she ever babysat our children. She, I never allowed my daughters to ever be babysat by her. Um, my oldest daughter, um, she wanted to go out to Idaho where my dad lives now and spend the summer with him. And I said, no, you're not going because I knew that that was going to filter into my children's lives from what he did. And so I was like, no, I try to stay in the word every day. Um, I journal a lot. So if I'm, if I'm having a rough day, I, sometimes I write things down and I, I have to get that out, you know, on paper yeah. and just, and I, one other thing that I do with journaling is I go back and I actually read things from two or three years ago. And I actually read those and then I see how I've grown. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that I do um, with to stay in a positive mindset. So look at the progress you've made. Right. And taking time to just have family around talking to my kids and my husband, just having that quality family time. So I try to stay healthy mentally and you know in that way. And, you know, I hope that helps, but yes. It does with yeah. the thinking about how to put boundaries in place and what areas mm -hmm. to put 
boundaries in place. My mother never asked to watch my children or to go anywhere with my mm-hmm. children, but we would have not let her either because yeah. there's this, like you were speaking of this manipulation mm-hmm. game, because I believe that when it comes to abuse, there's a dismantling process that goes on. And so that's another thing that I would not have wanted to expose my children to. Mm-hmm. Uh, listening to you say that, you know, we put boundaries in place, uh, you know, so that my children don't have access to my father, a one-on-one mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. alone time or whatever. That also sounds like limiting generational curses as well. I know there's a an active um, way to engage breaking generational curses, but I feel like that's another step in that direction is to limit that sort of influence mm-hmm. and break that uh, what could potentially be a curse in someone's life as far as alcoholism that's passed down from generation to generation or drug abuse or mm-hmm. things like that. Do you have any thoughts on that generational curses? I do. You know, that was one thing that as I was growing up, I remember from a really young age, not wanting to be like my mother. I can remember, you know, seven, eight years old, not wanting to be like her. I just immediately saw that I did not want to be that way. My parents divorced when I, like I said, when I was 10 or 11 years old, and I knew that that was not going to happen to me. I was not going to let that happen. Unfortunately, it did happen to my oldest daughter. um, And, you know, there was a lot of abuse in that situation and, you know, some alcoholism with her. But in my own life, I had that my father was an alcoholic and I was absolutely not going to follow that path. And I was not going to allow divorce in my life. Um, my husband and I, when we first got married, we made it a point that we were going to communicate. We were going to talk out things. We were going to discuss. It was We were going to be on the same page as much as possible because I didn't want that, that mm-hmm. trend, that curse, like you said, to follow through my family. You know, unfortunately, it did, like I said, happen to my oldest daughter. Um, but you're right. There are certain things that get passed down. And I've seen that in so many families. One thing, and in me making this statement, I'm not saying that every person that is in this is, you know, is a bad person or anything like that. But when I was a preteen, we were on the welfare system. And it was something that I remember, you know, there were many times we didn't have adequate food to eat in the house we were standing in lines to, to be able to get, you know, food and, and things like that. And, and I knew as an adult, I I didn't want to be in that because it's the mentality of not wanting to improve yourself and not wanting to, to work and, and not wanting greater things in your life. And, you know, that sometimes get, gets passed down through families as well. And that mentality of not wanting to better yourself and, I mean, I remember my mother being kind of that mentality. I mean, she she worked as a CNA for quite a while, and then she got to the point where she could no longer work because of health issues. But once she stopped working and she went on the welfare system, she would lay around the house all day. She never cleaned the house. I mean, I remember from you know preteen cleaning my house and constantly you know, just, I was a maid. I mean, that was really all I was to my mother was a maid. I think that played into that. And so I saw that whole scenario as something that I just did not want to live. And so when my husband and I got married, you know, we made it a purpose that, you know, we were going to work hard and we were going to do our best and raise our kids in a godly manner. Um, And we were going to keep people out of their lives that we're really going to try to destroy them. I mean, my mother would have destroyed our marriage if she had lived with us. That's just the way she was. And I have a a younger brother. And when my mother went into the nursing home, um, she wanted to move in with us. And we both told her, no, you know, we can't have that. There's just no way. And so we, we kind of in a way broke that, that, generational curse. And we, we broke that mold by the way that both of us wanted to live. My mother uh, had a stroke and so she couldn't live on her own. And mm-hmm. uh, my sister wanted to take her in and I pulled my sister aside and I said, Hey, do you remember? Have you forgotten? Mm-hmm. Do you think this is going to add something to your family? 
And she's like, I really need to do this for her. But it was horrible. I'd actually like to hit on that for a minute because I had a guest on my show who also had abuse in her family. And that was one of the things I struggled with because the Bible tells us to honor our mother and our father. And so I struggled with that. You know, how can I honor my mother? You know, how can I honor my father? And so when my mother went into a nursing home, neither my brother nor I wanted her to move in with us because we knew what would happen. You know, she was controlling. She would control every aspect of our lives if we allowed her to. And so I feel like that I still was able to honor her and the fact that she was in a place where she was being taken care of. She was getting adequate food. She was getting, you know, adequate health care. Um, I never argued with my mother. Um, if she said things or she was abusive, you know, she said some, you know, harsh thing to me. I just, I didn't bothered to come back at her. And I tried not to. And I just felt like that that was my way of being able to honor her. And I know that that's a struggle with children or with adults and their parents. How am I supposed to honor a parent who's been like this to me? Right. And, you know, all I can say is take the higher ground. If they're being abusive, if they're saying harsh things, don't, don't lower yourself to to fight back with that take the higher ground try to do the best you can stand for what is right be honorable in front of them and right do, you know because it is tough it is very tough to honor a parent who who's been abusive right i think that's a great distinction because you have you can't ignore the reality of mm -hmm. who they are and the choices they've made and how that would impact your family and how I saw it impact my sister's family. And then mm -hmm. she had to turn around on her decision because it mm -hmm. was too destructive. My mother was very vicious. So we put her in uh, nursing care eventually, but I wouldn't have let anybody mistreat her. Right. I looked out for her medicine. Mm -hmm. I made sure she had money in her account. I would go and visit her, things like that. That was mm -hmm. my way of honoring my mother. And mm -hmm. at that point in my life, I had had gotten to a point where I had forgiven her. I didn't have any animosity toward her. I was uh, not under her control anymore, even though she would try different mm -hmm. ways as an adult and independent from her, I could then put boundaries in place. Did there ever come a point that you were able to forgive your mother for what she had done? Yeah, there was. And I think it was at the point, um, I actually went down to uh, Florida to visit my uh, uncle who lived there. And he told me some things um, about my grandmother, who was also very abusive. Um, and so that was kind of a generational thing with that. And as an adult, I saw how she was raised. And so I was able to come to that place where I had some empathy, and I was able to forgive her. Because she was raised in an orphanage and I'm not, I can't remember when she went into the orphanage, but she left around, you know, 18 and uh, she got married to my father. And so looking at her life, even though it doesn't excuse how she treated her children, I was able to see how and maybe why she did what she did. And so I was able to forgive her. But like you said, it, it doesn't negate the reality of the situation. But it, it brings you to a place where you're able to say, okay, I no longer want animosity against her. And I don't. I don't want that. If my grandmother were alive <laughs> when my children were little, I would have never let my children be around her either because I just didn't want my children subjected to that. I'm able to forgive them because I can see a little bit into how they were raised and, and how their life was. I mean, my grandmother, her husband left her with seven children Wow! and they were dirt poor. They were, they literally lived in a shack and she was struggling to feed her kids. And so that's what led her to put her children into an orphanage. She couldn't afford to take care of them. 
So all of that, you know, probably caused bitterness. I mean, my mother was a bitter person and it caused bitterness in her life. And, and then when she got divorced, her husband left with two kids and she's got to raise those two kids on her own. And so she just, she never took care of things in her own life, which then affected the lives of her kids. And that brings us back to choices. Mm -hmm. If you don't take care of what's in your own life, it will affect somebody else. It's you're never going to affect just yourself. That's that whole hurt people, hurt people thing, because, right. you know, as I got older, I could see that my mother had not healed and she was stagnant mm-hmm. and uh, she had grown into bitterness and resentment. And mm-hmm. I, like you, when I got a glimpse of her life and looked at what she had to go through and what she had to put up, I can understand mm-hmm. why she would go down that path. But now as a Christian, I'm puzzled because it should be non-negotiable that we heal. After all, we have access to the one who offers us healing in our life. But even having said that, I will add a little bit more to what you were saying earlier, that this whole process of trying to find healing, there's grief attached to that. We need to Mm -hmm. grieve what we've lost, what Mm -hmm. happened to us. And so I think grief is a whole nother mm, addition to Mm -hmm. learning to heal from, for me, I would call them survival skills, trying Mm -hmm. to rewire survival Mm -hmm. skills that I had acquired unbeknownst. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I did, and let me know if you did this too, is I used to swear all the time. She will not make me cry. She will not get to me. I don't care how hard she hits me, how many times she hits me. I will not shed a tear. I swear. I didn't know I was making swears Mm -hmm. that got me where I wanted to be. There was a point that it came to that she couldn't make me flinch. But what my reward was is what I did not even realize. And that was a hardened heart. Mm -hmm. Now I have this heart of stone. Luckily, there was a passage in the Bible to let me know that God would take my heart of stone and Mm -hmm. give me a heart of flesh and a new spirit. But I didn't even realize that's what I was doing as a young person. And Mm -hmm. so now here's this whole dismantling. I'd been dismantled from what God had intended for me. Now I've got to dismantle what I created, what I had erected in Mm -hmm. my life. Did you ever feel like you had acquired some sort of hmm, hardened heart? Uh, that you had to now address? That's something actually I'm still struggling with now that you are saying that. (laughs) I mean, I I thought of that the other day, actually, because of all the mental abuse that I went through and the anger and all that, I don't like to be around people who get angry really quick. And, And although I say that, and there are times... I have done that, you know, I've gotten really angry about something. Um, But people that are really quick, like, it doesn't matter what you say to them, they're just going to chew you out, or they're going to get angry people that just snap so easily. It really scares me to be around people like that. And so I have kind of developed, and this is something I definitely need to keep in prayer, because now it's come to light more deeply, I think I've developed almost a shield around myself where if I don't feel like you're safe or whatever, I don't want you near me. I don't, I really have a hard time meeting new people. I have my guard up, I guess. I have a hard time meeting people. And if someone gets close to me or I get to meeting people and then they they kind of reject me. I automatically just pointed at myself. Well, what did I do? What What's wrong with me? And so I struggle with that quite a bit. And I can give an example, actually. Um, my husband and I have been in the ministry for over 30 years. And because of some stands that we take with the word of God, I guess we could say we're the black sheep of, of the body. And so I'm having this Valentine's Day party that's coming up. And I invited a bunch of people. And there are some that are coming, but there are some that said they they would like to come that most likely will not come. And I automatically turn that on myself. And I'm like, what is the matter with me? Is it something with me? When in reality, 
it's not, it's them. They're missing out. They're going to miss out on a great time. You know, they're right. going to miss out on something. I have to change that. I have to change that mentality in me. But yeah, I, I just, I automatically put up this shield and I live with that all the time. I guess we have to come to that place in our life where we say, I need to give that to God. I need to let God help me with that because we do need to be able to go out and to meet people and to express ourselves. And, you know, if we're rejected, it's not our fault, really, if we're mm -hmm. doing the best that we can and, and we're trying to be as Christ-like as we can, that's on them. It's not on us. So yeah, I, I definitely have that in my life that I need to, to pray about and to ask God to help me with. I think that would be very common when you think about the history that's laid that groundwork. Mm -hmm. And so that would be very common, but we can have God take that and turn it Absolutely. around, use it for mm -hmm. our good and his glory. Right. That's, that's who mm -hmm. he is. Um, and so I think I get more to the point where I, or at least how it affected me, or maybe it's my healing phase, but I'm not easily offended. So mm -hmm. if you're trying to offend me, you're going to have to tell me you're trying to offend me, or it's mm -hmm. going to have to happen several times. I don't know whether that is a measure of healing or whether I swung to the other side. Do I still need healing so that I can be a little more compassionate? Maybe compassion is something mm -hmm. that I'm struggling with. I don't know. God will have to no, I, I, I struggle with that. I struggle with having compassion for people. And one of the reasons I think I do is because I was in an abusive situation and I was able with God's help to get out of it. And so I have a real problem with people who want to just stay in the trenches, who, who just all they can do is complain about their situation. They're constantly just wanting to, to dwell on that. And so that really gets my goat when, when people are like that. But I am very quick to defend my family. If you ask my husband, he will tell them, you mess with her family <laughs> and the mama bear is coming out. And I am very quick to defend my family. And I think that's because of where I came from. There was no one who really, as I was growing up, there was no one who really came along beside me and who wanted to reach out and help me. I still, to this day, don't really handle stress, a huge amount of stress. Well, it just, it really bothers me. I needed somebody to, to reach out and help me. So I struggle with the compassion as far as, you know, you're in the trench. You need to make the decision to get out of it. Um, if I see somebody who is really struggling and crying out for help, I will come along beside them and try to be that that help to them. I will try to stand for them and fight for them. I actually have a friend who just came out of a situation where it was her mother as well, who was very mentally abusive. And so I've tried to help her along and I've had to tell her, look, stop talking that way. You need to stop talking like that because this is not where you want to be and she knows that I can talk that way to her because we're really close okay. um but there's a lot of times I struggle with with compassion and empathy for other people that's a good point to make in that you stop doing this internal dialogue stop using words against yourself I once heard an mm -hmm. Uh, a suggestion. I cannot remember where I heard it, but they said at the age where you first remember hurtful words, like they really struck you deep, it really got your attention that your mother or your father or whoever, someone that you looked up to said something that deeply injured you, your spirit. They said, find a picture of yourself at that age. And would you tell yourself the things that you're saying today? based on what you knew then. And so I thought that was pretty effective mm. in the sense that you have to remember when you look in that face of, of who you were at that age, what did you know at that time? Of course, you took that to the core of your heart and mm -hmm. you, you know, began to respond to things like that. So I think that's also a good tool in order to think about what you're saying to yourself, mm -hmm. because it is very powerful. That internal dialogue is very powerful. Ultimately, the battle between Satan and God for your, uh, your well-being is, is the, is the mind, but the mm -hmm. trophy is the heart. 
Right. And so right. there's this struggle that happens in our mind. You must take control of those thoughts. And for mm-hmm. us as Christians, we rewrite these lies right. with God's Absolutely. truth. So mm-hmm. we hold them up to what God has to say. And then we find that truth and that's where we get that freedom. Or at least I feel Mm -hmm. like that's where we begin to walk in freedom because we're being uh, led into the Mm -hmm. truth and leaving the lies and the belief system that we have behind. Was it ever confusing to see that your family professes Christian values, but weren't necessarily living them. And I do want to acknowledge that maturing into our walk with Christ can be messy and it looks different for Mm -hmm. individuals. But I do remember getting a very conflicting message about the church life and Christianity and what I was experiencing at home. So what was your experience? Yeah, my mom could be really sweet to people when she went to church, but it was the home life. Yeah, I knew it wasn't the same. And so there was a struggle there. I came to the Lord when I was around 15. And I would say because of my own walk with God, I could see through that. So it it wasn't as confusing, but it still, it still bothered me that what I was seeing at home wasn't displayed at church. That was for sure. And you know, seeing other people that same way, I could see different things. But I think it was because I had such a strong walk with God. I'm not saying that I was mature in the Lord at that point, but I I had such a fervor and a zeal for the things of God that I, I could see through that. And I realized that that is her walk with God, but right. that's not going to be mine. Some people you come across, the Lord will say, oh, you see that person? Don't be like that. And then you see other people and you say, oh, I want to be like that. So, you know, there were certain people in church that I I saw their walk with God. And I also knew them outside of church. Um, and I was like, yeah, I want to be like that person. But no, I don't want to be like this person. <laughs> I think it really stems from how strong your walk with God is, because there are some people that can easily be led astray by that. They see that this person is living for God in church and then out of church, they're living like the devil. You have to understand that that's their walk with God. That's not yours. You're not responsible for their walk with God. You're responsible for yours. And so you have to, you have to be strong in that. I think that is probably one of the most scandalous things God has done, and that is to (laughs) trust man to represent him. Even when I accepted Christ, I thought I would be like Christ. So I, in my mm-hmm. mind, I thought everything had to be perfect. I had to be perfect. Everything right, had to look perfect, right, yeah. which is not true whatsoever. Mm-hmm. We're walking out our imperfect journey uh, right. with God. I get it that we don't always represent God fairly. Um, right. And so I think that can be complicated for us as well, even mm-hmm. to the point where you were talking about, you know, do we put mom in the nursing home? Do we take mm-hmm. her to our home? What's the best way? Mm-hmm. What does it look like to obey the word to honor our mother and father? Right, right. But I think there's this realistic mm-hmm. uh, aspect of that that you can't mm-hmm. ignore. You have to balance it all out. And ultimately, I personally feel that it just comes down to sitting with God and asking mm-hmm. him the tough questions. Because, Absolutely. Yeah. Because Absolutely. he will give you clarity about mm-hmm. things that you're trying to discuss. A book I'm reading right now, I love it by Lisa Turkhurst of Proverbs 31 Ministries, and it's called Good Boundaries and Goodbyes. For me, she is shedding a light on what it means to balance out being a Christian and walking in a broken world, being affected Mm -hmm. by broken people, having uh, an impact on our lives, such as Mm -hmm. a parent. What does it look like? A spouse. Uh, Mm -hmm. Very interesting the way she balances it out and Uh, the grace, the love, the mercy, and yet the truth and the boundaries that must be put in place, really gleaning a lot from that book. And I think that's one of the keys in a situation like that is really standing for the truth. Not everybody is going to like every decision you're going to make. And that's just the way it is. And I've had to come to that in my own life that I am basing my life as much as possible on the word of God. And you're not going to always like every decision I make, but I'm making them in light of God's word. And so in that situation with my mother, it's like, this is the decision we're making because this is the truth of the matter. And 
you know, she didn't like it. I mean, she did not like, you know, going into the nursing home. She didn't understand why we wouldn't let her live with us. But, you know, we had to explain to her, you can't live with us because you try to control us. You try to manipulate us. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not going to live under that. And I had to tell her that, you know, I can't live under that anymore. I'm not going to live under that anymore. Mm -hmm. And it is tough, but I believe that standing with the Lord God will back you up. He really will support yeah. you. And I think it helped me a lot of times. My mother, when we had to put her in a nursing home, she was starting to have dementia and uh, mm-hmm. Alzheimer's. She did not like that idea. She began to say that I was after her money. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mom, I don't need your money. But this is what she was telling people. I didn't mm-hmm. dispute it. They don't know who I am, whether or not I have money, don't have money. Mm-hmm. But it didn't matter the God began to give me peace about being misunderstood and misrepresented. Mm -hmm. And so I figure that's Mm -hmm. probably how he was sharing his peace Mm -hmm. about being misrepresented and misunderstood. And uh, Mm -hmm. because that's what we do to him, but he also shared that peace with me as, and even it's happened in Mm -hmm. times with family who misrepresent me, who are only telling their portion of the side of the story, but I do not feel the need to go in and correct anybody, make sure somebody understands Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And so that's a a level of peace that God has given me. And I believe that was my training ground was with my mother uh, Mm -hmm. trying to discredit me. Right. And that actually brings me to a point. um, My husband asked me this, and I think we were watching a TV show or something that triggered this, or maybe it was an audio book. I was listening. I can't remember now, but he asked me if what I went through made me stronger as a person. And I do think it did. Um, when we go through things, like I said, you you have the choice of either you're going to stay in the trench or you're going to get out of it and you're going to have a better life. And I do think that going through all the things that I went through has made me a stronger person. When you're talking about being misrepresented and my mother had dementia too. So we went through that, you know, she would tell us we were stealing from her. And when you're in a situation like that, you know who you are, you know, your side of the story. And if you are standing for what is honorable and what is right and godly, it doesn't matter what other people think, because you know what you know. <laughs> and yeah. and other people will just have to, I don't know, deal with it, I guess. Yeah. And I got that from church people. Well, you know, how can you be so cruel to put her in a nursing home? How come you won't let her live with you? Well, you don't know what I went through. You don't know my story. And so by you saying those things is showing me you don't have a clue about who my mother really is. I did have a piece, like you said, I did have a piece about it because I knew what the situation was. They didn't. I was doing what was best and and what was honorable for my mother. You have the full story and therefore right. you can put boundaries in place based on mm-hmm. the facts right. of right. What, your, what your experiences have been. I think that makes our boundaries even stronger when we when we choose to do the right thing and we choose to walk the right way and we set up those boundaries I'm not moving those. It doesn't matter yeah. what you think. And yeah. I, and I'm at the age, I tell my husband now, you know, I'm 52. I'm at the age where I don't really care if you don't like my hair or what I undress or like yeah. the way my house looks. I know what my life is about. I know who yeah. I am. So there's a lot of freedom in turning 50. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot of freedom in Jesus, but a lot of freedom when Absolutely, you turn 50 yeah. and you're like, oh, I'm just, I'm just going to be me. Right. When we think about this accumulation of years, because for me, it was up till I was 18 years old. And mm-hmm. so it's taken me, I'm 58. I'll be turning 59 in June. So it's taken me extra long years to rewrite what 18 years imprinted on me. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about the accumulation standpoint of hurtful words, what did those words, and we've talked about the fact that you've got healing, but what did those words cost you? Did you ever entertain suicide? I did a couple of times. Yeah, there was a couple of times. My mom actually, um, it was when we were living in Florida. 
And she was on prednisone and she had been on that all her life. And I just remember one day, I can't even remember where my mother was actually, but I remember one day opening up the bottle and pouring them in my hand. And I looked at them. I contemplated that. What is my life? What am I living for? This is crazy. But there was always something there that stopped me. And then the second time, um, I was actually living here in Maine and it was, I was a teenager and I, I walked out in front of a vehicle and I, re I remember people standing on the steps screaming and hollering, don't do this. It's the grace of God that got me across the road. I wanted to end my life and I was going to church and, you know, I had friends, but it's just, there was still something that wasn't whole. There was still something I was, I was yearning for. And it was really when, when I, I came to the place where I became a true believer, it was filled with his spirit. And I think that it was then that my walk with God really deepened to another level. And I, I had that peace finally. And now looking back on it all, I do see how the Lord was with me through all of it. But yeah, I, there were times in my life where I just wanted to, it was better to end it than to have to keep living because not knowing when it was going to stop or if it was ever how can I get better. My mother did attempt, as far as we know, twice. But um, for me, I thought about it, did not attempt. Mm -hmm. I kept having something in me and I, I credit it to the Holy Spirit tugging on my heart. I kept, I had this knowledge for no apparent reason that this is not right. Just mm -hmm. hang on. That's right. what I mm -hmm. remember about my childhood. This is not right. She's mm -hmm. not right. Just hang on. Mm -hmm. And so I was shooting for 18 to get out. She kicked me out before I could get myself out the door. Now I leave 18 and I think, okay, I'm out from underneath her, not knowing mm -hmm. you take all that with you. You now are out in the world right, with survival right. skills, no relationship mm -hmm. skills. And now you're a hot mess on your mm -hmm. own. And then end up running my life off the road, if you will, wheels up, smoke pouring. Mm -hmm. And then I come back to Jesus <laughs> because mm -hmm. he was up there going, you go ahead, baby. I'm going to wait right here for you <laughs> while you, while you run that vehicle off the road or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's really the beauty of the Lord, because I mean, there were times when I tried to do things myself and it wasn't until I finally realized, you know, I really do need God in this. And he patiently waits. He lovingly waits. And he's there when you're ready to recognize that, yeah, I do need you, God. <laughs> Did you have anybody praying for you? There were there were a couple of people. Um, yeah, when I, I got into one fellowship, and it was the couple that had taken me under their wing. And they kind of knew, they didn't know all of it, but they knew that, you know, some things were going on. And yeah, I definitely had pray, people praying for me. Looking back, it's definitely, you know, I definitely see that now that that was a definite help in all of it. I had Aunt Rainey. Her name was Lorraine, but we called her Rainey. Aunt Rainey was always praying for us. She did not live to see the fullness of what God was going to do in my life and how he was going to mm -hmm. turn that around. But she was a praying woman. You mentioned earlier that your father probably saved your life at that time when your mother was physically beating you out of rage. But you also mentioned that he left you. Did you have trouble finding God as a good father based on your relationship with your dad? Oh, absolutely. Um, that's the definite. Um, it took me years <clears throat> to recognize God as father. Um, and I I hated my father, my earthly father, for a really long time. The second time that I, I flew out, I had my brother with me. And... I don't even know how the conversation started, um, but I was able to tell my father that I forgave him for leaving me. He didn't understand the depth of the abuse. He had no idea. And so when I first became a Christian, I saw God as someone who, if I made a mistake, was going to have a club waiting to just beat me over the head with it. I saw him as someone who, if I wasn't good enough or if I didn't measure up, that would just walk away. It took me several years to finally, you know, understand that. And once I did, though, that's when I think I saw that that God was with me through the whole entire thing. 
that he was there and he was lovingly watching over it. And I've already mentioned that going through something, I, I think it made me stronger. It made me a stronger mother for my own children. Not to say I haven't made mistakes. I mean, every parent makes mistakes, but I really love my girls. It made me um, stronger to the point of, you know, my marriage. I'm not going to walk away when hard times come. That's just not the way I do things. I fight for my family. I mean, we were watching a TV show actually last night, and there was a scene where um, the mother, she ends up giving her life for her children. Mm. And my husband asked me that, and I said, Absolutely. I ha- I don't even have to think about that. I would right. definitely give my life for my kids. Yeah. I would give my life for my husband. I have a really good friend. I would give my life for her because that's just who I am. And I think it's because of all I went through that that has made me who I am today with God's help. But it's that added extra of having the Lord as my father that anytime I struggle, anytime that I'm in a dark place, I can run to him and know that he's there waiting for me. He's there waiting to listen to what I have to say and to, to shower that peace and that love on me. Mm. And it's a beautiful, sweet place to be. And mm-hmm. also too, as you say that I'm reminded to that he is also the place where when we do fail, mm-hmm. when we totally mess up, we can bring that to him, lay it at his feet and find peace for Absolutely. that. He's the one who covers right. over that. Mm-hmm. And then we get to stand back up in his love, mm-hmm. in his affection, and try again. And right, so right. There's so much encouragement and mm-hmm. freedom and and being able to do that, having somewhere, someone right, to take right. those to take our failures to. Which brings me to this thought too, because there's there is power in taking responsibility for your healing. You cannot take responsibility for things that people chose to do to you, but you can take responsibility for your healing. And that is take action, make decisions, put boundaries Mm -hmm. in place, find some resources, find some tools and get to this place of healing. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, the word of God, what a powerful, powerful tool, along with a personal and intimate relationship with him and Jesus and Holy Spirit. So that's a good, real quick question as we close. Is there anything I haven't asked you about that you want to share with people today? Um, I think just just ending with, if it wasn't for the Lord, I don't know how I would have gotten through. Once I became a Christian, I don't know how I would have gotten through all of it without God. And, you know, the, like you said, you can run to the Lord and you can rest in him and get into his word. Getting that word in your mind is a really good way to fight the negative thoughts, knowing who you are. Um, For instance, I stand in front of the mirror sometimes and I tell myself, you're not going to go here. But reminding myself that I'm a daughter of the king. I'm a daughter of, of God. And he has blessed me in so many ways. His blessings are innumerable, really, in my life. And I know that if it wasn't for God, I would have never... I would have never been who I am today without him. And he has just been such an anchor in my life. And, and he brought people in my life who were able to help me as well. But without Christ, I mean, I could not be who I am today. Yeah. And that daughter of God, let, if that's just words to you, like, oh, I'm a daughter of God. And I'm talking to my listeners. If that, if those are just words to you, I want you to sit with the Lord in a quiet place and take five, 10 minutes and just meditate on being a daughter of God. I want you to think about all the qualities of God. I want you to engage the Holy Spirit to share, uh, download God's knowledge about what that means and just meditate on that with God. You're going to get some deeper intimacy and deeper Mm -hmm. revelation. It's just going to happen. If you can quiet your world, quiet your mind and get one-on-one with God. Uh, if, if our listeners remember only one thing today, what's the one thing about coming out of abuse, any type of abuse? What is one thing that they need to know? Wow. <laughs> I know. Condense all that into one thing. Yeah. Well, just know that um, what is being done to you is not your fault. That the choices that other people are making 
are not because of you. Healing starts there, realizing that what other people are doing to you is not because of you. It's because of what they've decided to do. Even in the worst moments, you're not alone. God is with you. And he's not there because he approves of what is being done. He's there because he loves you and he's never Mm going to leave you. And he's there because he doesn't want you to go through that alone. And he also wants you to take that to him, bring it to him, Mm -hmm. help him, uh, allow him to, to speak to you and to put truth into what's going on Mm -hmm. around you and to you. So God engages our hearts in the midst of pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. Anything else you want to add before we close? Just, it's been a blessing (laughs) to be on your show and just thank you for the opportunity. And again, seek the Lord Mm -hmm. and seek those people who can, who can help you to have a walk with the Lord and find that place of healing and, and peace in him. What is the scripture that you held on to that we'll part with? Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to yes. harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. <laughs> yes. Thank so you. those are the words we'll part with today. Thank you so much, young lady. I appreciate you and uh, have an amazing day. Thank you for your time and for sharing this experience with my guest. I hope you have found encouragement for today and a deeper revelation of God's heart in the midst of pain and suffering. We'd love to have you as a subscriber to finding God in our pain so that you can be connected with all my guests as they share their personal experiences and professional knowledge about pain and suffering. And because this podcast is a division of the website, A Life of Thrive, for more information and the various ways you can connect with us, please visit the website, alifeofthrive.com. I look forward to sharing more transparent stories from the hearts of women who intimately know what it means to have their world flipped upside down, their authentic struggle to make sense of it, and what recovery and healing looks like. Till then, sweet woman, remember you are not alone and that God speaks the most beautiful things in the dark.